Welcome to the Who's Hooping Podcast, hosted by Sean Crow and Kari Williams, where we discuss all things UVA men's basketball. We look forward to breaking down the current team, what's to come in the future, as well as some of our favorite and toughest Wahoo moments. We plan to give you guys the content you love to hear, whether you're a diehard fan that's been around forever, or you just found out about the team this past week. So stick around, lay back, and listen to two average guys tell you all about it. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 3 of the Who's Hoopin' Podcast. I'm here with uh, my co-host, Kari Williams, and we're joined by a special guest today, Doug E. Fresh-Smith. Doug, we'll go ahead and uh, let you introduce yourself. Uh, you may yeah, be man. familiar with you through Locker Room Access, but do us the honors. All right. Kari, right, good to be here. I'm listening to, I've listened at least to your last two episodes, and you guys are doing big things. Who's Hoopin'? Yeah, Doug, Doug Smith, everybody knows me as Fresh, UVA 1989-93 out of Fayetteville, Tennessee. I played at Lincoln County High School there, you know, went through the recruiting thing and by chance ended up at Virginia with a great team back then I'm sure we'll talk about. And um, very close to the program now. I do a lot of stuff with Locker Room Access and Who's Got Next and our um, our podcast crew, Marjorie Chris Havlicek and TW and um, Spencer Hensky. And it's, it's a lot of fun, man. It keeps me close to the – close to the program, which is awesome. Yeah, so, Doug, excited to have you. Um, obviously, our first player interview. Um, nice. We've been lucky enough to be doing just me and Sean ourselves. We've had some friends on the pod, fresh off of having Lo Davis join us, but our first pod with a former UVA player, so definitely uh, wow. helping build the brand a bit. Yeah, you started with a good one. I'll, help, I'll try to help you guys get other guys if you'd like. I, I listened to Lo. Lo was, Lo was a student with me. He was a student athlete as well, but we were we were in school together. We were all very close. I heard him talking about Slaughter, which we might get into, and we we're all Slaughter All-Stars, and we've all kept <laughs> in touch. And him, him being at the VAF was awesome because get to see him at games and run into him and stuff, and he's doing good, good family and all that. So yeah, that's well, how it works, you us, know. Glad to have another strong uh, UBA presence on the pod. And um, Lowe is awesome nice. to hear about, and we're looking forward to having you on too and hearing about your playing days. But uh, so – Doug, really excited to have you. Uh, similar to the interview with Lowe, it'll be just Q&A based. So for all the listeners, going to get a lot of really great insights about basketball in the 90s, um, hearing about UVA and some of its heydays, fresh off the Samson era and the Smith era or the fresh era as we should probably rebrand it. And then also uh, talking about a lot of the uh, just current UVA uh, landscape today. So um, I'll shift nice. over to Sean to kick off the interview part and hit you with the first question, Doug. But thanks for being on the pod with us today. Thanks, fellas. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Doug. So I um, was hoping you could just start by kind of walking us through your playing days here at UVA. So 89 to 93, just kind of go over some highlights of, of your years here. You know, there were definitely some notable teammates yeah. that you played with. So I kind of love to hear about Coach Holland, Coach Jones, and some of your teammates. And, yeah. Yeah, Co- Coach Holland, he recruited myself in my class. was me, Ted Jeffries, Chris Havlicek. Blair Ford was a walk-on, but not really a walk-on. Played a couple years. Sean Wilson, um, who I grew up with in Tennessee, and Terry Kirby played two years with us as well. But he was obviously more of a football player, but he still, still was a very good basketball player. We came into a team that the year before with Coach Holland, they went to the um, – they got to the um, – what do they call it now, the grade eight? They had the final eight, oh. and, they, they got, and they got beat by Michigan, but it was a really strong group. And back then – you know, back when players, four, guys played four years, you know, Brian Stith played four years, Crotty played four years. The, the, the leadership at the head at the top was really strong back then. You know, guys like John Crotty and Kenny Turner, Matt Blunden, Derek, uh, Dirk Castro, Bernie Florida, they, you know, they'd go to like lunch at age 21, 22 and like, or dinner and like order a beer. And we're like 18 years old, like what's going on here? <laughs> but it was a really, it's a really strong, and we still have that now. You know, Cornell Parker's a year younger than me. And then Corey and his group are two years younger. There's still like that hierarchy of like big bro, little bro, no matter, you know, obviously there's a talent disparity, mostly those guys all being better than me, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's a cool thing. And then what happened that summer, we come in and coach Holland told us during the summer before the season that he was retired, he said retiring. And so we went through that whole first year, 
you know, kind of that situation. I was a strictly a backup point guard at that time behind John Crotty, who was, you know, borderline All-American and became a 10, 12-year NBA player. So <laughs> definitely a learning curve, but really good guy to play behind. Um, a lot of competitive competitiveness in practice and pickup and all those kind of things. Obviously, Brian Stiff was on the team, so we had really good guys to learn from. We got to that year, one of the highlights of that season, we went to the ACC tournament, which was in Charlotte every year. We beat Clemson. Clemson was number one in the ACC that season. And then we beat a really strong North Carolina team, of course. They always have five or six pros. We beat them. Anthony Oliver had a huge tournament. And then we played Georgia Tech. Kenny Anderson, Dennis Oliver, Malcolm Mackey, Dennis Scott. I mean, on and on, just a bomb squad. And we kind of we ran out of steam there, and they beat us. Went on to the NCAA tournament. We beat Notre Dame with LaFonzo Ellis in Richmond. I actually played well couple buckets and did my thing a little bit before I had to come out. Um, we beat them in the Richmond Coliseum of all places. The next round we played Syracuse, who again had five pros, probably Billy Owens, Dennis, um, sorry, Derek Coleman, whoever, whoever. And we got, we lost by two on a questionable play where Bryant probably got fouled to tie the game and they didn't give it to us, maybe to win. But it was a, it was a great year. Not everybody realizes that year, you know how teams can go every four years to Europe. Coach Holland kind of in his swan song, he took us to the South of France and to Paris during Christmas. And again, like 19 years old and we're in Paris and we're playing these teams and being in, you know, like seeing casinos and the Jacques Cousteau museum and these things you remember now and playing against pro teams was really special. Plus the pre diem was like four times what it is in the United States. So we were all (laughs) like walking around rich, which was cool. That's awesome. And just looking at some of those names you listed, you went down the list and there's just a laundry list of pros, yeah. great ACC names, all-time like college basketball players, even some uh, great guys you'll see on ACC Network or ESPN like LaFonso Ellis mentioned. Oh, yeah. um, but just going through some of your teammates, like honestly, you might be able to make like a UVA Mount Rushmore, some of the names you mentioned, whether it was Crotty, um, yep. Corey Alexander, Stiff, um, Junior Burrow, I know, was one of your teammates at one point. And even yep. uh, we have Coach Jay Willie now, too. So, really, you were right yep. there in the thick of it. Well, people that people that know me know that when we talk about Virginia basketball, I, lo- I love the team now and all these guys, but I go back to the 90s. If I do a Mount Rushmore, maybe we'll do that. We'll all three do one today. I always have to go with my guys from back then. Obviously, Ralph starts it. But, yeah, just incredible. And seeing, like, you, you really start to learn how guys work and the maturity of it all. And, you know, my group, Kind of me and Chris Havlicek and Sean Wilson were kind of, you know, kind of, you know, made uh, pranks and things like that. But it was really cool to be able to come up with them. If you think about it, I played with two. I played on the basketball team with two NFL players, Matt Blunden, quarterback, and Terry Kirby, an all-purpose running back for years in the league. So that that was the kind of – and this is why I'm so lucky and glad I went to Virginia is the access to people, you know, how we know each other now and, and then the reach of the whole thing, we talk about Low Davis, we can talk about a million people. It's really a cool thing. It's a really good bond. So that for sure. Yeah. And, you know, seeing go, going into my second year, I, kind of the same role. Derek Johnson came into the team, who was a point guard out of New Jersey. And it was, you know, you kind of see the writing on the wall. We talk about it all the time now. Guys are being recruited over and how it's going to pan out. And I ended up breaking my foot a third of the way into the season. And Derek kind of took over as a backup to Crotty. And at this point, I realized I, just to be a point guard in the ACC, and it was a different time. You didn't have to come in and bomb threes as much as, as you say now, but I, I quickly learned I better be able to shoot threes if I want to stay on the court. And that season, you guys can look this up. We played an ABC game, which is a big deal back then, at noon at Notre Dame, back to Notre Dame, LaFonso and those guys. And we're down by like probably 10 with about six, seven minutes to go. Karate fouled out, and I, I had a really I was playing really well that game, and so I kind of assumed the backup spot, and I finished the game out the last six seven minutes, and Brian Stith had our final nineteen points for us to wow. win by one or two. If, he, if you can find him on Twitter, he has a great highlight reel of it all. But for me, just to, I mean, I, all I was doing was bringing the ball down court, taking out of bounds, and just throwing it to Bryant, who was literally being guarded by four people. And he just had this look I've never seen. It was like no chance I'm going away from him. And so the best part about that game, we go back and it was Jones, who was the first year coach. Most people know that story, how he kind of 
he became the youngest coach in the ACC, and that was my my second year, his first year. We go in the locker room, and we're all rambunctious and having a good time. And he's like, guys, I just want to tell you something. Doug Smith was our MFing MVP today. Man. And coach was talking. I was like, that felt good. I was like, yeah, Brian, you didn't do shit. <laughs> we, all, we laughed that off. And then, you know, the season went through that season. But um, I don't remember the ACC tournament, which is weird because I don't forget any of this stuff. We, we did okay. We were a good, solid team. And they shipped us first round NCAA tournament to Salt Lake City to play Brigham Young University. And they had a seven foot, 13 inch center named Sean Bradley. Mm, yep. And he was seven six, and I think he set the I think he set the tournament record that game with was it eight or twelve blocks, and you know Salt Lake's weird. No offense to anybody from Salt Lake, but it was a weird time, and we went we got shipped there, and we got we were so bad that game. Like six or seven years later, my New York City apartment, I got a delivery, and it was the <laughs> Chevrolet player. Of the game was me for us. You know they do that thing <laughs> donate. And I was like, I didn't have a good game, so we must have been really bad for me to get that thing. But it's a, that, that ends up being an okay memory, you know, later. Yeah. So it sounds like that was a de facto away game. It was a home game for them, 100%. Right. 100%. right. Average, average age of their team was probably 25 because those, those guys do their missions and stuff. But they were tough. We got, you know, we were, we were not happy. It was just really, you know, Crotty's senior year, Blunden, Dirk, all those guys, Kenny Turner, people don't. Kenny's one of those forgotten guys. He was a beast. He was an amazing shooter. Guy had like eight knee surgeries and could still jump straight up as quick as anybody. Just couldn't get as high, I guess, as he could before I'd met him. But we just had that leadership, man. It was really good. So into the next year, you know, obviously Brian Stitt's an All-American. He and Anthony Oliver, best of friends of that senior class. It's come very well-known Corey Alexander, Junior Burrow, basically two high school All-Americans. They were. Um, Yuri Barnes out of Richmond, who was a six-eight chiseled, just rebounding, shot-blocking machine. Chris Alexander, who kind of needed a couple of years. He was he was a six-nine guy. Ended up having a great career. But I wish I always say I wish I had Chris as a fourth or third year, as opposed to a first and second year. He got so good. He's probably the second best defensive guy since Ralph at that point, before killing those guys. And then, um, of course, the the now more famous than anybody, Jason, Coach Jay Willie, Jason Williford on that team, which was fun. That's awesome to hear. And then just kind of getting curious about, I know we talked a lot about the players and different uh, just awesome people you had around you during your time at UVA. Could you talk a little yeah. bit about some of the differences between playing under Coach Holland and then uh, Coach Jeff Jones? Just definitely a different dynamic, it seems like. Yeah. And, um, I'd love to the, hear more about biggest- that difference was coach holland's name was coach holland and jeff jones name was jj the system didn't change a lot i think i do think you know both of those guys people don't realize that both our defense was not unlike tony bennett defense and dare i say i think we were more physical the game the game was more compact right what do you call it now spreading the floor and everybody stretched out the game was really compact and it was physical man and you know on the acc back then it was it eight or nine teams florida state maybe nine Every every ACC game, there were between four and eight NBA guys on the floor, right? You know, if you guys remember Dale Davis, uh, Walt Williams, I could just go on and on. Guys, you probably only remember Chris Whitney at Clemson played 12 years in the NBA uh, guard. But the bat, that, that whole thing was real, and you had to really learn, especially defensively, because, you know, you're playing against pro guys, and, and, and it was a pretty cool thing. I think, I think he was a really good um, – um, what's the word? Player development kind of guy. Because mm-hmm. even my first two years, when he was my first year when he was assistant, he was playing with guys like me who didn't play, you know, 10, 15 minutes a game, and we'd stay after and play, and he could still really do it. And he gave you the tricks of the trade, along with guys that would come back in the summertime, which is another thing we could talk about, which was really cool. But they they weren't they weren't incredibly different. You know, Coach Holland just had a, a more of an aura because you know he was Ralph's coach, he'd been to Final Fours, and he was one of those deans, so to speak, I guess, of coaching of, and just such a well-respected guy. But, I mean, both really, really competitive, really competitive and demanded a lot out of you, which is great. It's cool to hear that, you know, from then to today, different different names, obviously, but it sounds like a lot of the fundamentals and uh, values of the program are, are maybe unchanged. That's That's pretty cool to hear. Yeah, I think I think we had a we had a little bit of a glitch in between, but once we got back to Coach Bennett and 
what he's done. It's, it's, I'm telling you that it's people, people know it that, that would, that knew it back then. I know, I, I know guys on locker room access who watched, you know, Barry Park Hill through today and they can talk about all that stuff so much better. And it's, it's so, it's really, that stuff's very interesting to me. De- definitely. So kind of looking at the, the landscape of the ACC during your time, I think what two Duke national championships coincided with your time. So it's kind of yeah. curious, like from the team's perspective, who, you know, the fans, obviously, Duke is kind of always number one on the on the hate list, I guess you could say. But who was yeah. it that you that you all, you know, most wanted to beat when you were when you were? I, I think I I think it was North Carolina in my time. And again, like I'm from I'm from Fayetteville, Tennessee. Right. I like I wasn't a Virginia fan growing up. I was probably a Carolina fan. I, I lived in Kentucky a while. I was a big Kentucky fan. Mm-hmm. Alabama, Tennessee football rivalries. But, you know, I didn't know anything about the Virginia Tech. University of Virginia fan base hatred, bass tech right. we call them since their only national championship <laughs> is bass fishing. But I, I didn't really have that, you know, but Je- Jeff Jones, more so than Coach Holland, he was very serious about in-state shit. So if we went mm-hmm. to play William and Mary, for example, we they took us to overtime my, my fourth year, my senior year. And man, it was, it was serious. But Virginia Tech beat us in Richmond my fourth year. And it was like, that just can't happen. You know, like going to JMU, not not to not to pick on what happened recently, but that that stuff just couldn't happen. But I think our fans really really disliked Carolina. There was a big perception, real or otherwise, or real, that the the referees cheated for them at at times. Um, for me, it became Duke because they won those two championships, mm-hmm. and never get them in Cameron. And it was, it was, you know, we might be tied. We might be up in Carolina. I never beat in Carolina. But my, I'll give you a personal story. My fourth year, we go to um, to Cameron. And now this is Corey Alexander's first year. I especially remember Jason Williford. He was starting at this point as kind of the two or the three guy. I guess he was the three. Cornell was the two. And I was coming off the bench. And we go in there, and those guys are just whooping it up with the fans pregame. You know, talking shit, laughing, doing the cheers with them. Where in the years past, we were, like, coming in and, you know, not not the real guys, but other guys. We can't beat them here, and th- these guys were like, "What do you mean we can't beat them?" So, we we were. I I have a great article about. It I'll share with you guys offline. But I ended up. I had 14 points in the last 12 minutes of that game at Duke. Man, and we were. I didn't know until after the game. I had some one of the reporters down there was interviewed. He said, "You know, you guys never were behind today." I was like, "That's incredible." I didn't even realize that. And at the end, I was like, "Well, I guess we're pretty good." And the interesting story about that. Carolina won the championship the year before, so they had the, at least the six-game run of the tournament, whatever it is, right? And the year before, when Bryant Stiff wouldn't let us lose in the NIT, when we beat – who did we beat? Notre Dame again in the finals in, in Madison Square Garden. So we had had a five-game winning streak. So us and Duke had the, had the longest winning streaks in the country, and we beat them to go 11-0, and and we went from, like, 17 in the country to nine, and I guess Duke was 11-1 and at that point, went to, like, five. But that year – Carolina won the championship. So that tells you a lot about my ACC times. Yeah, just a loaded era of ACC basketball for sure. Yeah, nationally. So speaking of that era just a little bit, one question off the cuff that I just kind of thought about looking back at some of those teams. You have a UNC championship. You have two Duke championships. You have the Fab Five playing for Michigan. You have good Kentucky teams. You have good Kansas teams. UNLV is really popular at this point in time and probably still the heyday of their thing. So – if you had to pick a favorite team that was non-ACC during all that just prime basketball in the 90s, who were you looking towards as, like, I guess your favorite team to watch or a team you really wanted to play against or did get to play against? You know, it's funny, man, because I, I didn't – I really didn't have one. If my if I had friends from high school, like my best friend played at Middle Tennessee State University, I liked them, but it, I didn't – I wasn't, like, going back to being a kid and being a fan of, like, Kentucky. I just – if we got to play them or wanted to, or had a chance to play against them, I just wanted to drill them. You know, that's when you're up in it, you, you, I think you don't have time. I, I've asked Jason Williford that question now as a coach, and he's like, I don't like any of them. <laughs> and that's kind of how it was. You know, I appreciate it. Like, certain teams were good. I wish we could have played Kentucky for sure. I never played Kansas, never played UNLV. I'm not sure I wanted to play UNLV, to be honest with you at this point. But, no, I'm kidding. But um, UNLV was definitely fun to watch, if that if that's a better way to answer the question. They were, well, to say the least. I'll take it. I like the competitive edge there. Kick them all, but definitely love to hear that. 
And then building on top of that, so maybe not a favorite team, but um, favorite away venue you got to play against, whether that was you loved all the fans talking down to you guys, whether that was just the yep. space of it, the atmosphere, whatever it might be. But when what was your favorite place to just go to an away game for? Yeah, I, I, literally every one of every ACC arena. I, I can't – Duke I liked because we, we beat them finally my last year, and that's my most kind of fond memory of one, one particular game, so to speak. Um. Like, I, I like Florida State. That's a team I like to watch play. And they joined the conference my junior year. And we always had great battles. Charlie Ward, Sam Cassell, Rodney Dobard, um, Bobby Sura. Like, these are just, you know, unbelievable basketball players. And we would usually – we'd usually win one, lose one with them. But we, 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 we'd get them. But they were a lot of fun to play because they, they were a little bit – they were a very loose bunch. And the, what, them talking shit to each other during the game was hilarious. You know, like <laughs> Sam Sam Cassell. Sam Cassell was always a pro, right? And the joke back then was he's 28 years old and he's a senior in college, which is probably not true, but it's funny to say. And, you know, he'd dribble the ball down and somebody pop out in the wing. He'd be like, man, would you get out of my way to his own teammates? <laughs> and then he, somebody else comes in. Ronnie Dobard comes and takes the big white guy. He's like, white boy, you got to get out of the game. You're not playing good, man. And all these things, it was hilarious. But, you know, when they, when they, were, when they were playing and going, a, a cool story for some people might be, I always got Charlie Ward his first game back out of football, right? And he was a Heisman winner. Florida State was always in the in the hunt for the national title. But football is different than basketball. So he had to come and start out against our teams, and I'd get to go head-to-head with him. And I, I had an advantage because I'd been playing basketball, so I'd let him shoot. But a couple, one time I remember we are at Florida State, and I didn't step to the ball. He shot the gap on defense. And the, I was like, wow. That's, you know, it's like when I'd watch him, you know, a lot of my great friends, Chris Slade and guys on the football team when Florida State would come and I'd watch, it was, he would do amazing things. So, yeah, you don't, you don't have time when you're playing, but every now and again, you sit back and just think like that, that was impressive. Definitely. Yeah. So Once looking again, back you guys at played, it, oh, all you, Sean. Sorry, Kari. No, I was just going to say, looking back at it, Doug, it looked like your four years you had Three runs in the NCAA tournament, a first-round yep. appearance, a second-round appearance, a Sweet 16, and then an yep. NIT championship. That's right. My third year, junior year, was the NIT championship. And that – it was disappointing. It was Brian Stith's senior year. And anybody that played with Brian Stith holds him. And, like, he, you know, he's way up there, and then we're all here kind of thing. He's, like, just the greatest in every way. Great friend of mine, brother, all that stuff. But for him not to NCAA and take another crack, but I'll tell you, that team with the young guys, because all those guys were freshmen, Corey Jr., et cetera, who were big parts of the team, you know, they were like one year away with like Brian able to get into like a final four. But then we made the most of it, man. We beat – let me try to think who we beat. We played at Villanova, beat them. We beat Tennessee at home. We beat New Mexico State, I think, in Richmond. And then we went to, to New York and beat Florida and then Notre Dame again in an overtime game. So once we got to New York and that whole thing, it was absolutely well worth it. And NIT was a bigger deal. You guys don't remember it. You shouldn't remember it. But real teams in it and stuff back then. But, it's you know, you always want to go to the big one. Yeah, I feel like the banners that were hung for the NIT championships used to have that 80s, 90s around it when it was popular. Now you have teams like North Carolina refusing to go. So Mm -hmm. um, the vibe around it's definitely changed. But I know you mentioned a lot of names. You mentioned some of these people are still really good friends of yours. How have you yep. kept in touch with um, just all these teammates over the years? And are there any particular ones that you're still really tight with to this day? Man, well, I'll tell you what, we're tight. Like, I could give you a story. I, everybody. So we have actually, we have a chat. And I think iPhone will only let you have 20 people in one chat group. And half the guys refuse to go to WhatsApp or whatever. So we're, there are 20 of us. To give you an idea, one of the people in it is Anthony Solomon, who played with Jeff Jones was an assistant with JJ at Virginia and he was just at Notre Dame for a while, dating different places. And, you know, Dennis Wolf, one of our assistants is in that chat. And it's like, you know, we don't talk every day, but Junior Burrow called me out of nowhere and we'll talk for two hours. Curtis Staples, I didn't even play with. Every six or eight months, we'll call each other just for no reason. And I'll be on the phone with him three hours, but every guy I can go top to bottom. I mean, not even top to bottom, just throughout it. You know, me and Yuri Barnes have been good friends. Me and Corey have always been good friends. I spent the Final Four in Minneapolis. We can talk about with um, with Corey the entire weekend. Harold Dean, I went down to the Duke game this year in Richmond. I'm like, I'm, I'll be in Richmond. Are you here? He goes, Yeah. What's your plan? I was like, I'm just gonna go to Charlottesville. Blah blah blah. 
He goes, I'll pick you up at the airport and take you, man. Like I didn't play with Harold. I know him very well. And he he wasn't he he just he just drove me there and drove home, came back to the game the next day. But it's that type of stuff. Me, me, Harold and Sean Singletary had, you know, lunch that day. And I'll I tell you guys, I get way more credit for I, I was good and I had some good seasons, good games and all that. And I was a big part of the team in times. But I get way too much, you know, love from these guys compared to, like, let's say ability. So but that's how that's that's kind of how it works among all of us. Hey, we you know all the good teammates. I know we, we joke around about uh, Duke, you know, the brotherhood, we call them the semesterhood, but it, it does sound yeah. like you guys had a lot of brotherhood that's carried over to this day. So that's great to hear. Um, yeah, we do. hundred percent. Kind of um, transitioning to, you know, the program today. I was curious to know like how you've stayed in touch with the program over the years. So through the Gillen era, the Leto era up to the Bennett yeah. era, and then kind of more specifically, you know, a lot of UVA fans today know you through locker room access. So I was wondering if you could talk about how you got involved with LRA. Yeah. Remind me if I, if I skip around and miss something. But so I graduated in 93. When I went back to the banquet and stuff. And, you know, Coach Jones. Funny thing about Jeff Jones, when you play for him, you're not so sure if he likes you or not, for <laughs> lack of a better way to put it. No, he always wants to put you in position to, to get better and to be good and to win. But graduated or the, the last game I played, he was like my best friend. The guy's like making me come over for like dinner with him and his dad and his brother doing this, that he's coming to New York later. And then he's an extremely loyal guy. And I think his example there proliferates. Is that the right word? Proliferates throughout the rest of the way, you know, we all interact. We would have been players would have been all great friends. And, anyway, you know, went to each other's weddings and different things like that, but catch up as much as we can. Watch and listen to Corey on TV all the time, of course, which is always fun. But um, oh, what was the question? I, I uh, lost yeah. myself. Oh, how we kept in good. touch. Yeah, and that, and so then you know we we were we were all pretty upset when um, you know JJ had an unbelievable run as a head coach at Virginia. At the very end, he had some really unlucky basketball circumstances that happened with the Melvin Whitaker thing. You know, Courtney Alexander was was tough because he was such a great player and um. And in the end, he, he essentially got fired. And so for all of us, they brought the guy, um, Pete Gillen. Was it was he at Xavier then or somewhere? I guess it was Xavier. Man, Providence? Man, yeah. It's Providence, I think. Anyhow, and he, to us, he's just an outsider. And no, he's got a job to do. He had some great teams. He had some great players. But um, it was a different time in our lives, too. Probably maybe having kids, maybe working. So you're not going back to Charlottesville as much. But we never necessarily felt um, – we didn't feel unwelcome to come back, but we weren't necessarily reached out to to come back, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I'd go, I'd go to games and do – I've been around Pete three or four times. He always knew me, was always great. Everybody knows, unbelievable personality, treated me – I wouldn't say treated me like family, but he was always – you know, I had access. I could go to, I could go to U-Haul. Or I could go to Bryant Hall after and all that stuff, and he didn't mind. But he, they just sort of didn't go out of their way. I think the late years in 03 – in 2003, I moved to Brazil. I was there for four years and came back in 07. Another story, because I played pro basketball in Brazil. Not, not why I went there, but I found a thing. And that was fun. And then, I, you know, the Lado years, you know, unfortunately, like Sean, Sean loves Lado and Sean it was so great then. But I don't think I was in the country when he was playing. And I just, all of us kind of lost interest. And there were definitely not, you know, they had JPJ, so it's not our arena anymore. And we didn't necessarily feel like we had the access back to it mm-hmm. in, in, in a fam in a family type way, you know, but I mean, a lot of the players I've gotten to know and uh, Will, Willie Dersh, you guys know, he played for Pete and then he never played for Lado. He played for JJ, Jeff Jones, and then Pete. And he became one of my best friends in New York because he came after college and he got a job with me on the um, American stock exchange out of college. So those things, and we go back to games, but it, it just never, it was kind of, the lost kind of era for guys, I guess, my years, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to, you know, then they uh, different things and it doesn't really matter. But then with um, when they hired Tony Bennett. Now, I knew who Tony was because I knew how great of a basketball player he was. I had no idea he was his dad's assistant at um, Wisconsin or Wisconsin Green Bay and then Wisconsin, whatever it was. I had no idea he was a head coach at Washington State but they hired him and I knew the guy and I knew his background, 
how tough he must be and how 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 much he must know the game because he played in the NBA and you know he went to a small college. So I, I didn't have an opinion either way. I, I always wanted to, to hire Corey Alexander to tell you the truth, but that that didn't happen. And you know the 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 greatest thing Coach Bennett did for me selfishly was hire Jason Williford. Um. There's a great story behind that, and I, I won't tell it in case you guys ever get Jay Willie on the, on the show or whatever. He can he can tell you how it sort of happened and how it may not have happened, but he did the right thing. And um, coach, they they had invited us. They started having alumni games. Maybe they had them before, but I didn't know about it. But just because Jason was there, all of us are back all the time, you know. Right. And you know, Coach Bennett, the the first practice I went to, I was there in the summertime. My my sons are now 23 and 20, but they're probably 11 and eight call it whatever 12 and nine and they went to virginia soccer camp they grew up in brazil so the soccer players and i'm at camp so i text or call jason i'm like yo i'm in Charlottesville." he goes oh come over to jpj at two o'clock whatever we have the guys and we're having practice and i i didn't i'd never been to jpj i don't think i'd ever been i had been but i didn't know whatever go in and it's i think richie mckay's on staff jason of course coach bennett and i'm standing on the sideline with a buddy of mine just kind of watching and being in the background Coach Bennett, Richie McKay stops what he's doing, comes over, introduces himself to me, talks to me. Um, another guy comes over, same thing. Another guy, and then Coach Bennett comes at the end. And, you know, why are you down here? And talking about my kids. And it was just like, man, these guys are classy, you know. Not not big time at all. Like, <clears throat> they understood that Virginia is every bit, every bit ours as it is theirs. I really feel about Tony and every time, you know, I've been around him a bunch since had a chance, a couple of chances to go to lunch or I was at a recruiting event with Jason up here in New York one time and Bryant was there and those guys and me and Jason and coach Ben and a buddy of mine had lunch and he's, he doesn't forget like about my kids and things. And he's, in, he, he's, he's a lot more than a, a college basketball coach as a man. That's awesome. And um, you know, kind of what you're alluding to with the decision to hire Jay Willie, I think even today, you know, this offseason, we've seen Isaiah Wilkins get promoted yep. to full-time role. You know, Chase Coleman bring, brought back as a GA, and then Johnny Carpenter promoted from within. So, Isn't that awesome? It, it's great. And, you know, I think that kind of speaks to building that uh, kind of connection across generations of UVA basketball that's, that's so strong today. Yeah, um, and they – and that, look, man, this we, we laugh about it in a, in a way because we're older and we played in a different time. But the pillar thing is real. Right. Like, <laughs> those guys, you know, I had we had that thing with Mark Jerome, Ty Jerome's father, good friend of mine. And we, had, we did a podcast a long time ago. With, I think it was Ty, Devin, maybe London. Mm-hmm. And we, I was, we were like, you know, I'm, I like to mess around. I tell jokes. And I'm like, guys, tell the truth. The pillars thing, that's nonsense, right? They're like, nope. Literally, no. And I'd be like, Devin, so what, what makes you guys so, like, why do you guys win? Like, you lost th- six games in two years. He said, defense. I'm like, dude, you got to have a better answer than that. Goes, no, <laughs> it's, it's defense. I'm like, shit, okay, it's defense. Who am I going to argue? I, did, I, didn't, I didn't win as many games as they did. Right. So the whole thing, is, uh, you know, it's real. It's real. And I, I do think in the back of Tony's mind, and I've never been asked him this or whatever, I think that he thought it was important to have that connection in some shape, form, and Jason was perfect for it. He was an American with Jeff Jones, and then and BU before that with Dennis Wolf, mm-hmm. and looking to get back to Charlottesville. So it was it was a genius genius on everybody's part in my in my mind. De- definitely. So then, um, how did you get involved with Locker Room Access from there? Yeah, back again. So the whole thing is run by uh, a guy who's become a good friend of mine, um, T.W. Wayne. So the kid grew up in Charlottesville, kid, he, you know, he was probably in junior high and high school when I played, but grew up in Charlottesville. He was just an obsessed, enormous basketball, uh, Virginia basketball fan from the Ralph Sampson year. His parents came, I think, if I'm not speaking incorrectly, basically off the boat as educators from China and him and his, him and his brother were just obsessed basketball fans from Ralph era. And he, he told, he, TW told the story that when me and Chris Havlicek were in, at Virginia, we came to junior high and shot around with them during recess or something, which we do these things a lot and, you know, made an impression. And they used to do the Ted Jeffries lefty hook shot. And he said all recess long, every kid's doing the Ted Jeffries shot. This locker room access started after, after we won the, um, after we won the final four in 19 and Corey said, Hey, do me a favor, call, call my buddy TW. 
And I was like, what's his name? He goes, uh, TW. I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. So Corey, he basically TW, you know, he approached a bunch of former players and Corey has the media, per, the media, um, personality, et cetera. And Corey just said to TW fresh, fresh has me like, you know, whatever part you give to me, fresh will be, be the guy for me. Like sight unseen. Didn't, didn't ask me if I could, if I wanted to or nothing. And that's just kind of how these things work. Right. And for lack of a better way to describe it, it happened basically in 2020 and then March hit and people are working from home and that type of stuff. And my whole vision back then with LRA was I could get, I could get all my guys on podcasts. I mean, do we have Jeff Jones did a four hour podcast? Brian Stith did like a three and a half hour podcast and we kind of made time, had time. And it was really fun because I knew guys from my era, students, athletes, they'd love to hear from those guys. Right. And one of the coolest, other cool things that happened through this, a bunch of guys who played in the 70s, like Barry Parkhill's teammates, even guys from the 60s, other guys played junior varsity. You know, they all got in contact with me and we, we become great friends. And it's all this. That's the whole idea of LRA and, you know, being out there and having a community for Virginia, putting the fans with the, with the players and the teams and that stuff. So we, I think we've done that pretty well. Absolutely. I'm a avid LRA user and that's kind of how I first came to know about you. So definitely nice. a great, great community for, for UVA fans everywhere. And I like talking yeah. shit and I like, I like being an unabashed UVA guy, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no, love to hear it. And I know Sean's brought me over to LRA quite a few times. He's gotten me more into it as well too. So I love what you guys are doing over there, but Speaking of what's going on these days, um, Doug, we'd love to get your takes on just the current state of UVA basketball, especially compared mm-hmm. to the era you played in being the 90s and having a lot of those strong teams and strong players, and then you're yeah. coming fresh off the Samson era. So how are things with the current state comparing to how basketball was back then in the 80s and 90s at UVA? Yeah, I was a little removed from Ralph, and it's funny. I always, I always, make, I always mess with JJ because they never talked about Ralph when we were there. Ralph would come to practice every now and again, but he was in the NBA, and he was larger than life, as he should be in every way. But they never talked about, well, you know, Ralph used to do this, or we did this with Ralph. I'm like, why didn't you just use Ralph? He's like, because you, you guys were your own players. You had to be your own, whatever. So th- there was a couple rocky, rocky years in between, probably when I was in high school at Virginia, but again, I didn't, I didn't follow Virginia. I'd see them play Carolina on TV and that type of stuff. And I, I always like Karate's game. Um, but, you know, a, after the, the final four in Minneapolis brought a lot of us again, we all went there and that was just such an enormous deal. Like, I don't think any of us, and I'm, you guys were students or at least a year removed, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like it's hard to, just to win that thing. Not that I didn't think we ever would or could, or we didn't belong there. It's just when it happened and being there, you know, again, Corey flew in. I, I, I flew to Minneapolis on Saturday morning. We played Saturday. I had a flight the next day out mm. and Corey, Corey, I, I had a backpack and I, I didn't know where I was staying, whatever. And Willie Dersh is there. Norm Nolan. I didn't know. All, you know, we we all go to the loon cafe before the game, the, uh, the bar or whatever. And then, you know, after the game, the Final Four game, we won. Everybody's upstairs, and I guess Michigan State was playing somebody after. We didn't even care. And I'm running into students that I used to know, and, you know, there's, like, you know, some 85-year-old guy hugging, like, a, you know, a fourth-year girl and just, like, having a blast, like, so much fun. And they're, like, fresh, you know, you're not leaving, right? I'm, like, no, nah, I got to go back my kids and stuff, whatever. And so I back, long story short. <laughs> as it should be. And, as it should be. So – yeah, but I, I mean, I've just been amazed. Like, I think we all, especially lock, doing locker room access and trying to be smart. And we have tons of smart guys on that on the forum. The people that talk, like, you know, I had to check myself early to make sure I'm saying the right things. Not that I cared, but um, you know, you 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 always want to armchair armchair quarterback. Is that how you say it? Or Sunday Monday morning quarterback? And you know, question Coach Bennett and style of play and these things. I've learned just not to question what they do, man. You know, when they – if you told a if you told a college coach, any coach in the country, Coach Krzyzewski, anybody, you're going to lose three games next year. I'm not telling you which ones. They'll take it. Right? Absolutely. And I think we lost three and 18. Is that right? Three and then three, I think, the next year. But, you know, now there, there's stuff – there's – like, uh, you know, not losing a lot in the first round of the tournament, I guess, and not being sort of the Sweet 16 stalwart, so to speak. 
you know, the Syracuse thing and whatever year that was. But that those – me and Mark Jerome talk about it all the time. It's so effing hard to make a Final Four. Like, just fans don't – casual people don't realize it. It's extremely right. hard. You know, for guys like Coach K and maybe Kansas, those guys who've made a lot of them, it's, it's really impressive, man. And, you know, they have different players and all that year in and year out. But, you know, the other team wants to win too, right? Does that make sense? So – it's like you're not – everybody's just not just uh, falling over for you. But I don't I don't know in, in terms of the landscape of college basketball that I'd want to be a fan of anybody else. You know, I can't I can't think of one other coach or staff that I'd rather have um, top to bottom and the players I love and that type of thing. And that they're all awesome kids. You know, I, I think they're a little boring now compared to the way we were, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't see, you know, I don't, I can't gripe at all. Understood. Yeah, Kari and I, we were, uh, we, we were definitely lucky. Uh, our years were kind of the, you know, the golden age of the, or I guess you oh, call yeah. this the second golden age of UVA basketball. And, you know, we've yeah. gotten into season ticket holders now and definitely an exciting time to be a UVA fan. Um, kind of looking, awesome. looking ahead to this upcoming season, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the connection with Elijah Gertrude. You know, I know you're both yeah. uh, Jersey City guys and just anything you wanted to share about that. Yeah, I'll give you the whole story. It's funny because so my my oldest son's lived in Brazil. My oldest just graduated college, but he came in eighth grade. His brother didn't come until his junior year of high school. And his brother came, I guess, the pandemic year or whatever. And so there's there's a school in Jersey City, St. Peter's Prep. My oldest son went. They weren't accepting because of numbers and stuff. And I've known the coach at Hudson Catholic where Elijah went. Um, his name's Nick Marinello, who's good friends with Jamal. I didn't mention Jamal. Jamal Robinson and Corey Alexander doing the circuits and Junior Burrow that they do all this stuff together. And so Nick, I told him I, told him I had a son doesn't play basketball, unfortunately, but he's a soccer player. He needs a school. School starting tomorrow, like legit two days. And he's like, I'll come up here, whatever. I got him in. So, you know, Nick did me a, a really nice thing, to say the least. But my son did great there and played good soccer and got good grades. And he graduated. And me and Nick have a couple of buddies in common. And one of my friends like, dude, did you give Nick a bottle of wine or anything yet for that? I was like, well, I don't know if I really can. But sure, I'll, I'll go see. I'll, I went to see him in his office. My son graduated. So we're talking. And you guys remember Javon Quinterly? He played, he yeah. played for mm-hmm. Nick. And Luther Muhammad. So we recruited both of those guys. And I knew those kids because Luther's girlfriend lived on my hall. And I was good friends with her and her mom. And so I, I kind of recruited Luther a little bit and Javon to an extent or help with it and didn't get them. But then I go see Nick and we're talking about the team. And he's like, man, he goes, I have a point guard. Who's going to be a, he was going to be a junior then um, to Hod Pettiford. He goes, he's, he's probably going to be the best player I've ever had. And then he starts talking about this kid, Elijah Gertrude. And I said, wait. I've seen Elijah on LRA. Somebody, I always forget who it was. Somebody posted a video of him. Jersey's New Jersey's best kept secret. I'm like, well, what about him? He's like, I'm not sure. Like, he's like, do you think he's going to be top hundred talking to his trainer, the woman in in his office? And they're talking about him. And I was like, you know what? Hold on. And I call, I FaceTime Jason Williford from his um, coach's office. And miraculously, Jason picked me up, which he never does. (laughs) And I showed him, I'm like, I'm in here with coach Nick. He's like, oh, no way. I'm like, Jason, if I, I'm going to go watch this kid play. And if I think he's, I'm offering him a scholarship. And he's like, yo, Fresh, you can't do that yet. Uh, Tony's <laughs> got to see him. And Nick's laughing. We're laughing. I'm like, Jay, you know me, man. Fresh, I know you. I know you're going to just don't. We got to wait for Tone. We got to wait. I go, <laughs> I literally go the next day to a summer league game. Never seen the kid. He catches the ball right in front of me on the baseline takes one dribble past the guy and goes up and dunks over four people. He's six, three. And I swear to you right then out of nowhere, cause Jason knew I was going to the game. He called me. He's like, fresh. Did you get to did you get over to the game? What do you think? I'm like, Jason, it's done. I'm off. <laughs> I, and I told him what I just saw. He's like, Oh man, I know. I know. And so I, I met, I met, I met Elijah that day and talked to him a little bit and just great kid, great kid, great family. I met his mom and dad, maybe the next game. And just, you know, try to build a relationship. And it was, they had the summer league. It was a minute bike ride from my, my apartment, you know, five-minute walk or whatever. Take my kids and go watch. And I was around at every – and then I just – I got – I really started to like him more and more. And then I started getting worried because I'm like, he's, he looks like a Kentucky kid. 
Right. And I'm not like seeing stuff in person is a lot different, right? And and then he's got the point guard Tahad who got offered by Kentucky and Auburn. He's committed to Auburn. And I was there all summer and you know, keeping in touch and talking to his mom and I knew we were in good shape. They did a I think they did an unofficial visit. And his dad was always he's very great people, always cool and cordial with me. But when they got back from their visit, it went from like the regular like business handshake to full dap hug. What's up? We're good. I'm like, so are you guys going? You going? His mom would never let on. She's like, we don't know yet. We don't know. And then, you know, eventually I found out he was going to, he was going to commit. So I'm, I mean, I, I love the kid. I love the family. I'm ecstatic about it. Unfortunately, he got hurt. Um, didn't play his senior year in high school, but it's, it's, a, it's a personally exciting time for me. It's almost like a nephew or something in, in certain ways is, is going to be playing at Virginia. And he's, gonna, I'm telling you, he's going to be spectacular. I think the uh, well, coaching staff owes you an assist for the recruiting efforts there. You know what? They they did. You know, Jason Jason texted everybody in our text group and a video, one of the videos you've probably seen of um, Elijah, like, taking the ball off the top of the backboard and stuff like that. And he's like, look, you guys, look at this kid I just signed. I'm like, Jason, time out, man. We know who got him signed. <laughs> but, like, I, I was fresh. down. That's fresh. Well, he, Elijah started calling me coaching me. I'm like, I'm not a coach. But, you know, I was, I was like, Elijah, at the end of it, I'm like, I'm like, what's like St. John's recruiting you, Seton Hall? I was like, what schools come to every game this summer? He's like, man, I was just talking about that. He's like, Virginia's here every game. I'm like, no, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> it's different. I, I, I can be here. And so it, it was fun, man. I'm, I'm just, I'm so excited for him. And as you guys know, having gone there, what, as I do, the, the, the place is going to change your life in a thousand. Never even considered forget outside of the basketball stuff. So I'm excited for it. And now we yeah, need a is. pipeline. I want the Georgia city pipeline, but coach Bennett did. I, I was at the Duke game last year and I went to practice or whatever. And coach came, he's got to make his rounds talking to people. And he came over and talked to me. He's like, he's like, how about, what about your boy Elijah fresh? I'm like, what do you, what about him? What do you think, man? He's like, we're excited to get him here. And so I gave him my kind of, my, my scouting report on Elijah is, has always been. And as a basketball player who wasn't as gifted and like athletically, he does extremely hard things very, very easily, you know, and, and going to Virginia where the fundamental, you know, the more tighter stuff, dribbling, passing, shooting, you know what I'm saying? Moving without the ball, playing hard all the time. What's the word? Continuousness and things like that. But I'm like, Tony, he does, he does the really, really hard things that you can like, you know, Justin Anderson, hard things that you can't teach. Like, I know, I know. So we'll see. I'm, I'll probably see him tonight because their team plays in the summer league. I'm just going to go back over. That's awesome. And Sean knows how much I love uh, those Justin Anderson references. So I'm looking forward to getting another Justin Anderson reincarnation. But Doug, I know we're getting a little close on time. So a couple more questions from us and we'll let you go. Once again, thanks right. so much for doing this with us. But yeah, um, with, all fun, the recent, with all the recent news, with the era you played in, you mentioned already the ACC was about eight or nine teams when you were playing. I got to yeah. get your thoughts on all this conference realignment. You got the Big Ten with 18 teams, I think. The Big 12 yeah. somewhere around 15 or 16. SEC is at 16. ACC is looking to maybe even add Stanford and California. Um, just things that would have been unheard of in the 90s. So just what are your takes on some of the uh, conference realignment uh, stuff? There's no, no, other, no other way to say it except for I hate it. Like, I, I understood it in our day. Like, I think South Carolina was part of the original ACC. It may have been a different name. And things happen, like, you know, tweaks and whatever. Florida State joined, which I loved when Florida State came to our league when I was a uh, third-year junior. Talking about Stanford and and Virginia, North Carolina in the same conference and these things. Does it make sense in school? Sure. But does it geographically and for kids? No. And end of the day, it's we talk about NIL – which I'm, I think everybody's fully supported of, of in some shape, form, or fashion, different things. Con conference uh, realignment has nothing to do with the student-athletes, any sport. In fact, it's going to make schools have to cut sports, right, because of travel and different things like that. So I, I, don't, I don't like it when it's – there's probably a lot of non-sports people making some of these decisions, you know. And, I, I mean, I could talk about this for way too long. I also don't like how people think that money is just unlimited. You know, you, somebody sent a list of like 20 colleges, athletic programs who are like $250 million in debt type of thing. And we just all assume that, oh, they, they're on ESPN, that they make a gazillion. Go to the Big Ten, you're going to make a gazillion more. Money runs out. <clears throat> it's not just a never ending thing. And 
whether it's five years down the line, 10 or even 20, like college sports is such a great thing. It's such, you know, it's less pure probably than it used to be in a lot of ways, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but I, I don't like it. There's no other way for me to say it. Definitely feel you on that one. I feel like in 10, 15 years, we're going to look up and be like, how do we let all this happen? Love the NIL well, stuff. Um, love the players being able to really capitalize on being able to make some money off their name, especially after talking with Lowe Davis about it and hearing some of his takes. But yep, yeah, the alignment, stuff, the alignment stuff, uh, it's going to be insane to see over the next few years. But um, as we talked about um, offline before we hop in the show, our final question for you, Doug, um, you got to ask, as a fan and as a player, what was your favorite and toughest Wahoo moments? You know, and in in the time that they happened, I think my favorite was when we beat Duke at Duke because we went 11-0 at, at that point of the season. We were going into the ACC part of the season. And to tell you the truth, that day was – that was a day all the students came back. And so living in the moment, we're like, yo, we'll be back in Charlottesville at like 7. We can go out tonight and all the students are going to be back. And we'll be like, you know, obviously we're getting all the attention. So that – it was just – it was just encapsulated a lot of fun. I had a nice game all that stuff going to the sweet 16 was really good my last year, but looking back on it, it's, it's heartbreaking now because I, I can watch the game. I'll send it to you guys. And it's just, we played, we didn't play very well in Cincinnati and Nick Van Exel, those guys beat us. I think in the time again, my, my sort of worst moment was, I think it was either 90 or 91 Virginia football was number one in the country for the first time. And all those guys, especially back then football and basketball teams were really close because of practices and dinners and the meal, and the, you know, all the sports were, by the way, women's lacrosse, soccer, a bunch of my best friends are on the soccer team for, for a college girlfriend, women's soccer team. But it was that Georgia tech game when they came to, we're winning the whole game. We kind of put the brakes on second half. I think it's Scott Sesson, which I still remember the guy's name last second field goal to beat us by whether it was two or 50 points. I don't remember, but, we lost that game, and that was just, you know, Sean Moore, Herman Moore, Terry Kirby, Mike Frederick, all these guys that we were such good friends to see those guys have a real chance to win the whole thing, and that happened. It was heartbreaking. Yeah, I feel like all the people that were there for, like, the 90s definitely feel like that number one loss is tough. Um, I know me and Sean were not around, um, <laughs> even, like, a concept back then probably, um, yeah. but still – Still a tough loss to kind of look back and see it in history. But, Doug, once again, want to thank you for your time on the pod. Really appreciate you giving your insights, telling us all about yeah, the man. 90s and just everything you had to share with us today. Awesome, dude. Thanks, man. Good luck to you guys. If you need anything from me, you got me now. So we're good. Awesome. Well, once again, everybody, Doug E. Fresh Smith, former guard here at the University of Virginia, played from 89 to 93. NCAA appearances, NIT champ. Great presence on locker room access and a lot of great thoughts and just awesome guy to be around. Once again, thanks for coming to the pod, and we're glad to have you around. Go Hoos. Go Hoos. Yep. Go Hoos. Thanks, everyone. Talk to you all soon.